Uh, we've been in this 21 days of, of prayer and fasting, and, and listen, I, I don't think this is an accident at all. We've been in this series made for more, and we've been looking at the local church and what that means and what it means to be a local church. And, and so we've been praying. This is week three of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and, and wouldn't you know it, we're on the day and we're on the week when we're going to pray for our community, and our community needs it. Our nation needs it. Uh, tomorrow, President Trump has declared a national day of, of prayer, and so we want to we be a part of that. We want to pray for our nation, and so these prayer guides, I know you're used to getting them when you show up at church, and, and you can now get them on our website. If you'll go to our website, fellowshiptherockies.org, uh, you'll be able to get them there. And so this week we're praying for the mayor and city council, city commissioner, state representative, c- senator, governor, and let's just continue to pray for our national leaders. And in a minute I'll tell you about some of the other things we're going to do because we're not going to just pray, but we're going to pray and we're going to do. And so let me just lead you in your homes or Starbucks or your life groups. I understand life groups are meeting together and worshiping, but wherever you are, let me just lead you. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes, and let me just lead you to pray not only for our nation, but our church. Let's bow together, and if you remember, we've learned the acrostic of pray, and the first thing is just pause. Scripture says, be still and know that I am the Lord, and so maybe you just need to remember that that he is God and you are not. He is in control and you are not. Fact is, as the scripture says, be still and know that I am the Lord, and I will be exalted over the nations. And maybe you just need to be reminded of that right where you are. The R is just to rejoice. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And maybe you just need to just tell God some things that you're thankful for, some things that you're grateful for. Maybe it's an answer to prayer. Maybe it's a provision. Maybe it's something that he's put in place. Maybe you need to be reminded of Psalm 118.24 that said, this is the day the Lord has made. And I will rejoice. That's a choice. I will rejoice and be glad in it. The A is just simply ask. Give us this day our daily bread. And maybe there's some things that you need to ask him for. Maybe for you personally. Maybe it's provisions. Maybe maybe for God to work something out during this time. Maybe you need comfort. Maybe you need peace. Would you also ask him to protect our nation? Would you ask him to be with our city council and our mayor? Our city leaders, our senators, our governors. Do you pray that God would give them wisdom, that He would give them discernment? And the why is just simply yield. It's just simply to say yes to Him. Just tell Him, God, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. I just want to be obedient to you. Father, we thank you for our church and Lord, we thank you that that we're the church. Whether we're meeting in this building, where we're scattered out all through southern Colorado. So, would you just remind us of that? 
And Father, would we love one another? Would we encourage one another? Would we support one another? Father, we pray for our nation. We pray that you would give wisdom and discernment and leadership. And Father, we pray that as we, as we follow you, as we seek you, that you would heal our land, that you would answer prayer, that you would take care of situations. And Lord, through your word now, would you just speak to us through your word, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can click to, turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Those of you that are part of Fellowship of the Rockies, you know that's our, our rhythm. And then as I read these scriptures, the, the scriptures are also going to come up on the, on the screens for you as well. And so primarily we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. But it's going to take me a little bit to get there. We're going to work through some things. We're going to understand some things before we, before we get there. And so, again, I don't believe it's by accident at all that God led our church on this journey. When we entered into this Made for More campaign, we started asking this question, that has God made us for more? Has God made Fellowship the Rockies or we as a believers for more to reach more and to minister to more and to be able to help more? And so tonight, we're looking at this subject of, of, of more church and what it just could not be more appropriate. And so if you've been on this journey with us, you know that we've started in this series and we started looking at this commandment. It was a commandment of Jesus, right? And they'd ask him what was the greatest commandment. And, and Jesus came back and, and said, he said, it is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. And then he said, the second one is this. It kind of sums up everything. And he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. We've been looking at that. For like over the last six weeks, and we've been fleshing it out in different ways, and we've been looking at how it applies to different situations. And now we come to this place, to, in the place where we are as a nation, a society, that we get to apply it in a, like, like a different way tonight. And, and so we, we life journal here at Fellowship of the Rockies, and in case you're new to our church, that's just a systematic way that we read through Scripture in a year. We do this as a church. Uh, we read through the, the New Testament twice, and we read through the Old Testament once in, in the matter of a year. And we ask God just to simply speak to us through his word. And so this morning in Life Journaling, it was Galatians chapter 5. And look at this. Paul fleshes this out, this teachings of Jesus in the book of Galatians. And Paul says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, look at that, serve one another. So, so Paul starts working through the teachings of Jesus. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor what? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes and gives like the contrast or the opposite of that. In verse 15 he goes, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. In other words, if you're divisive, in other words, if you don't love your neighbor as yourself, you're, gonna, you're not only going to consume yourself, you're going to consume one another. And in this time, we, listen, we need to be careful that we don't criticize people for their response to COVID-19 or the coronavirus, the way they approach that, if they, if they stock up or if they cancel trips or if they cancel worship services or, or if they don't shake hands or they do, they do shake hands, they do fist bumps, they do elbow bumps, they do toe taps, whatever they do, we should not criticize one another, whether they attend a meeting or whether they don't attend a meeting, whether they work from home or they don't work from home, whether they go as a family somewhere or they don't go as a family somewhere. We, listen, we should not criticize one another because we just have to understand this. In this time, 
Everybody has their own fears. Everybody has their own concerns. Everybody has their own stuff that they're carrying through this. So let's do this. Let's extend grace to one another. Let's just understand we're in fluid types. We're in different types. We are charting new territory. So what if? What if we just learned what it means to love one another? Love one another as yourself and willing to extend grace and mercy. Listen, this, this became real to me last night. I had to run to Walmart uh, and get some things. My wife is out of town. Uh, she's in Houston, Texas, and she's helping and, and helping my mom and having a great trip there. And so I needed to run to Walmart because I'm like bachelor right now. And so I needed some snacks, healthy snacks, because I know she's live, live, live streaming this. So they're healthy. Not really, but they're healthy. And so I, I, got, I got my snacks because, listen, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not a stockpile person. I, listen, it, as long as my driver's side window will still roll down, I'm going to eat. I mean, I've already been to Sonic today, and I ask them, you guys running out of food? And they say, no way. And I'm like, see you tomorrow. And so <laughs> I have my plan. And so I, I'm literally in Walmart last night, and it's insane. I mean, it is literally insane, and I'm in, like, the self-checkout aisle. And so I'm doing that whole deal, and I'm scanning my uh, bananas and my apples and <laughs> things like that. And this lady next to me and her husband, this lady's losing her mind. And so this lady starts going, and, and, she, and, and she's like, she, people are crazy. People are crazy. People are absolutely crazy. Look at that person. Look at that person. They're stockpiling. They're hoarding. What is going on? This isn't a big deal. People are crazy. And I'm like, you're making me crazy. And I mean, you're just making me crazy. And she says, no, you're crazy. And she's, I'm like, well, how do you even know I'm stockpiling? You don't even know. My wife's out of town. I felt like I'm justifying it to her. And then all of a sudden, the manager comes in because it, it is amping up in that area. She's calling everybody. Listen, she's calling everybody crazy. We just have to understand, listen, we have to understand that we are in new times. We are in new times. See, when I was, I was on a conference call with Governor Polis along with about 40 other faith leaders in our state, and Governor Polis said something that in his introductory remarks that I hadn't thought of. And he said, he says, listen, he said, he said, we need the church. And I thought of that. He said, we need the church. He said, we really need you guys. He said, this is fluid times. This is different times. He said, see, this is different than any other time that I know of is what he was saying in our history. He said, you see, when we've gone through crisis before, the church was still able, able to gather. When 9-11 hit, what he said, when 9-11 hit, he said, guess what? When the planes hit the building, that night many churches were joining together. They're worshiping and they're praying and they're encouraging one another, they're helping one another. He says, but, but now, this is something totally different. They're isolated. He said, that was what, that's what made this decision so hard. They're isolated and they're like, they're like being moved away. Listen, they're being moved away from one another. And he's right. And I've thought about this ever since then. I mean, this is one of those moments for me. And I've thought about this ever since then. And he is exactly right, because you can prove it with statistics. 9-11 drove people to church. We can prove it. And you know what I think? I'm wondering. I'm wondering if the coronavirus is going to teach us how to be the church. Amen. What it means to be the church. 
what it means to love your neighbor as yourself, what it means to show grace, what it is, means to show mercy, what it is to try to find somebody in need and just simply help them. See, Friday, Friday I met with all of our pastors. Listen, I'm so proud of our pastors. Our pastors are awesome. And we started talking about how we're going to minister to the church and how we're going to help the church. And we prayed through a lot of stuff. We talked through a lot of stuff. We'll be putting more plans in place, and so we'll email you, and we'll let you know about that. But, but one thing that you just need to know that's happening right now. So we're taking our database, and Pastor Beth is walking through our database right now, 6,500 homes that call Fellowship of the Rockies their church. We're walking through that database right now, or she is. We're identifying the most vulnerable people in our church. The elderly, those that may have a medical issue, and we're identifying them. And you know what's going to happen on Monday? Our pastors are going to start calling through that list, asking, what can we do? How can we help? What do you need? We got our GO teams at Fellowship the Rockies. They are on standby right now. I mean, it's a brand new ministry. We've been working through this ministry for almost a year, developing this ministry. Our GO teams are waiting right now to say, when you find their needs, we'll figure it out. We'll be able to help them get food into their home. If they need food or meds or doctor visits or anything like that. And listen, I would tell you, if you're watching online and you need us, you email us. Email, I think email address is email us at fellowshipoftherockies.org. Or you call our church office at 719-544-5000. Listen, I'm telling you, please, please, this is not a church growth strategy. This is not what this can do for us. See, that's, that's not the end results for us. This isn't about growing a church. This is about being faithful to Jesus Christ and what he's called us to do. This is all this, this, is all this about because, see, we believe we believe Fellowship of the Rockies should be a better place. I'm sorry, we believe Pueblo, Colorado and surrounding areas should be a better place because Fellowship of the Rockies is here. And so I think it's appropriate tonight if I, ju I just take some time and just walk through the scriptures with you. See, I didn't have to change much of my sermon. God knew exactly where we would be today. God knew where our nation would be. God knew where our community would need. And God knew the bread we would need today to encourage us and to support us. Paul starts talking about the church in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. And he, he, he makes some statements, and they're interesting statements. And, and so let me read these few verses, and then we're going to walk through this together. And uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Here's what the scripture says. He says, so then, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the, by the Spirit. 
There's three things that I think we can pull out of this tonight and help us understand this issue of more church and what does the church look like. And, and maybe it's causing us and maybe the coronavirus and some of the things that is happening in our community is already causing you to look at this issue of the church and your definition of the church and then, then, then how you fit into the church and what does that look like. And so, so the first principle about the church is this, is the scripture says that the church is to be like a nation. I mean, that's really what Apostle Paul's saying. He said that the church is to be like a nation, is to be like a country. That's what he said in verse 19. We'll read it again. He says, so, so, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. And so he starts just walking through these scriptures, and he starts moving from a, well, he moves from a negative to a positive. He says, you're like a foreigner or, and an alien, but now you're, now you're a part. Now you're part of a nation, you're part of a country, now, now you, have, you have citizenship. In other words, what he's trying to help them understand is, guess what, you're, 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 like, you're like a part of something. And so many people, as they need the power of God in their life, need his presence in their life, they're not really part of a church. And in times like these, it can be unsettling. coronavirus is a reminder to us, our country, our nation, our governor, our nation, our leaders, that we need the church. See, sometimes people, and you know this, have, have trouble committing to a church or serving in a church. We have a little bit of trouble with that, and Scripture helps us to maybe get some glimpses as to why. But we just, know, we just know that exists. And sometimes people don't understand what it means to be a part of a church. I get that, I understand that, because I, I have tons of conversations. I'm in the community a lot. I have people, that, friends that are far away from God. I have people that have relationships that, that aren't, don't have a relationship with him. And so I'm, 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 I'm in the community a lot. And so I have some conversations with some people, and I've, I've just kind of cataloged some conversations that I've had about this thing of the church and how people view the church. And, and there's a lot of people that would say, you know what, I'm, man, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I'm, I'm not a part of a church. I'm a Christian, but I'm, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't like belong anywhere. fact is, last week, I had a man tell me, I was talking to him about the church, and he goes, oh, oh, I have two churches. I'm like, what? You have two churches? He goes, yeah. I have one church that I go to to serve. I have another church that I go to to be fed. Hmm. I've had other people tell me, you know what? I have several churches. I mean, I, I, I go to one church because I like the worship and I like the preaching, but they don't really have good Bible studies and things like that, so I go to another church for their Bible studies, or maybe a women's ministry or a men's ministry, or I go to another church for this function. And so really, really, I have several churches. I've had other people tell me, you know what? It just kind of, it, 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 on a Friday, we just kind of decide where we're going to go. It's kind of what we want. And people view the church all different ways, and I get that, I understand that. But when you look at Scripture, Paul begins talking about this issue of the church, and he's like, the church is something that you're a part of. It, and we're going to look at that. It's a family. It's a community. It's deeper than that. fact is, in the Old Testament, in Psalms, there's a huge promise, Psalm 92, verse 13. It says, they are planted in the house of the Lord. 
Then here's some promises. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They never, they are ever full of sap and green. In other words, they don't just gather, they're assembled. They don't just attend, they're a part. In other words, they're, they're planted. They're planted in a church. They're planted in the house of God. And he says there's this huge problem, and there's huge promise, and guess what? They, they, they like flourish. They flourish in the worship service. They flourish in the courts of God. They, they bear fruit in old age. I mean, there's something about this issue of just planting your life in a church. See, that's what Paul's trying to help us understand. He said you were once foreigners and, and an alien. And when you look at this, a foreigner is someone who doesn't like know everyone in the group. They don't know the people group. They don't know the people. They may not know the customs. They may not know the culture. They may not know the language. An alien is someone that's like in the country. They're really not a citizen but they're there like via passport or a work visa or something like that. And, and Paul is using this picture here about, about talking about what happens when you become a Christian. What happens when you become a believer? Because the problem with a foreigner and an alien is that you can learn enough of the customs, enough of the language, and enough of the, the culture and some of the things that they, they do. And, and you may look like a citizen, but, but you're not. Are you existing in a church just by a passport? Or do you know Jesus? Because, listen, you can learn enough of the language and the culture and the customs, the habits that nobody can really tell. But you're a believer. But your citizenship is part of that. So we have to look at ourselves and say, where do we fit in? And where's our relationship with Christ if we... Have we come to the, listen, have we come to the place to where we know him? We've given our life to him. To where we, we follow him. We're a Christ follower. We see we know what that means to follow someone because we know Facebook and, and Twitter and some of the other places that when we follow someone, it gives them like the right. They kind of influence us. And to follow Jesus means that he influences your life. And so listen, we don't follow the Americanized, homogenized, pasteurized, celebrity Jesus. We follow the crucified Christ. The God who came to earth, dwelt among us. As Pastor Eli said, they came to serve, not to be served. And he went to the cross and he suffered and he died for our sins. And when we accept him, when we come into a relationship with him, when we come to that place to follow him, the Bible says that when that happens, we get a, we get a, we get a new birth certificate. What Paul says is our citizenship is transferred. So the first thing is this, is church is like a nation, but the second thing is this, the church is to be like a family. And all of a sudden you see that it's, this, it's like this natural progression that is, that is moving tighter and tighter in relationships. That the church is not only like a nation, but the church is like a family. Verse 19, he says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Begin talking about being members, being in relationship to one another, being a family. 
That if, you, if you're a part of a nation, that, that it's impossible to know everyone. I mean, no one knows everybody like in America or Colorado or Pueblo. Or, and nobody knows everyone in our church. But the church is to be like a family. In other words, we have these families that we're in relationship with. We, we know members of our family. See, this is why life groups are so important. This is why Bible studies are so important. This is why it's so important for you to come into a local body. You come into a church and you plant your life there. Our relationship is to be to a nation as a legal relationship, but our relationship to our family or blood relationship, so, so is with the church. Those who are Christians, we're part of a family, and we have this, we have this blood relationship. And, and in families, what Scripture says, that when we, we come to Christ, that we have this new birth, and we have this new family, and in families, we know this. There, there's responsibilities. If, and every family ha member has responsibilities. It's going to be a healthy family. And the same is in relationships. And that when I don't use my spiritual gift of teaching, you suffer. And when you don't use your spiritual gift in the body, I suffer and the body suffers. That's why Paul is talking about this issue of family. In other words, where we come in and we just we plan our lives together. And we encourage one another. We support one another. We learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. There's a lot of people who say, well, if I had God's presence and, I, and I'm a Christian, then why do I need God's people? The answer is his power and his presence flows through people. There are people that say, you know what, it's just like, it's just like me and God. It's just me and God. That's all I need. Well, that's not the way God set it up. And we're a family, and whether we like it or not, or whether we like to admit it or we don't like to admit it, we're all dependent upon one another. And people will tell me, well, you know what? I, I worship God in the mountains. I worship God on the golf course. I worship God hunting. I worship God on the lake. I, I worship God in, in nature. And I think that's fantastic. That's great. But then when you get off the lake, when you get off the mountains, when you get off the golf course, then gather with God's people and worship together because we need each other. Because can I ask you a question? When you go through a crisis, how is that mountain going to support you? How is that lake going to encourage you and help you and meet needs in your life? Man, I'm reminded of this all the time. And I mean, we're watching this in our church. I, I got so many stories. One of my most recent favorite stories about this whole deal is a, is a couple in our church, and, and they were with us from the early days. And they were with us from, from, from core group days. And I was in a core group meeting when they first came to our church, and <coughs> excuse me, that's allergies. And, uh, <laughs> and in core group days, they, they, uh, they came to training. And I casted vision about this is what the church is going to do. And so his name is, is, is Dick, and he's been in our church since 95. And, and so I'm there, and, and Dick is there with me. And so I, I, I cast vision. I said, well, this is what Fellowship of the Rockies is going to do. A man in our core group training that was coming to check our church out uh, laughed and said, well, you don't know Pueblo, Colorado. This is like never going to work. I am not wasting my time in this church. And so this man gets up and leaves. Dick started laughing, and he says, I can't believe this. Well, well and, and he's trying to say, hey, buddy, just wait five years. Check back in on five years and see if it works or not. And so that's one of Dick's favorite stories. 
is about, do you remember that? Every time I'm with him, do you remember that guy that thought this would never work? And he's just laughing about that. Well, Dick is now ill. His wife is a caregiver. They have planted their life in this church. They have served in areas of ministry, all kinds of areas of ministry. They have planted their life in this church since 1995. <coughs> and they have helped a lot of people, and they've ministered to a lot of people. And now they need help. She's his primary caregiver, and she would just like to get out and go to ladies' Bible study on Thursday. The life group I'm a part of with Karen and some other life groups in our church, you know what they're doing? They're scheduling two people every week to go over to Dick's house, care for him so that his wife can go to ladies' Bible study. That's the church. That's, listen, that's why we need each other. That's why, listen, that's why you plant your life in a church. It's not so much sometimes what you can get out of it, but what you can give. But there does come that time when we all need one another and we all need help. Paul is writing to the Gentiles and he says this. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have, have received mercy. Paul is trying to help us understand that it's good to be a part of the people of God. He's trying to help us understand that we need people, we need each other. Oh, can I just tell you? And Jesus backs that up. And remember, when I started this out, and I, and, and, I, and, I, and I told you that question when they asked him. They asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus just simply said this. He said, well, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul. He said, this is, this is the greatest first commandment. And then he goes on and he says, well, in the second it's like this, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't stop there. And he says, oh, and by the way, these two commandments depend on the law and the prophets. You know what he was saying? The law, first five books of the Bible, the prophets, the rest. He's summing up the whole Bible. That's simply what he's doing. Now listen, when he said this, they didn't have the New Testament, right? New Testament hadn't been written yet. They were living the New Testament. And Jesus was helping us and helping the disciples to understand, I'm going to sum up the whole Bible. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Oh, and the second one, learn to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, listen, you see this all through Scripture. I, I have another Bible. I almost brought it, but you're so large. It's like a study Bible. And so God prompted my heart in January that as we life journal this year, I'm going to do something different. And I'm, doing, I'm going old school. I'm, I'm like a, a leather, paper, Bible. And then, every, listen, every time I come to the place where the Bible talks about in some sort of a way, love your neighbor as yourself, be able to hear from God, be able to believe his word, simply do his word, any of those things, then I'm writing it in the margin of my Bible. My Bible is littered with places where I've underlined, places where I've highlighted in Scripture, places I don't, I don't even know what I'm going to do with that one day. But I just know this, for me personally, it has like rocked my world to see this principle all through Scripture. You see what Jesus is saying 
when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself, you know what he's saying? He's saying, you need a relationship with me, and you need a relationship with the church, with people. It takes both. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26, he says, What then, brothers? When you come together, each one of you has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Let all these all things be done for building up. In the margin, my Bible, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Oh, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know what the church does? When we love our neighbor as ourselves, we're building each other up. We're encouraging one another. We're serving one another. We're helping one another. We understand that, guess what? I have something somebody else needs, and maybe somebody else has something that I need. It may be a word. It may be an encouragement. It may be a prayer. The third and the last thing is this, is a church is to be like a building. Now, listen, when I was walking through this, it kind of shocked me. Because I'm just working through these principles, and all of a sudden I come to this, and I'm like, man, I was so tracking. I mean, this is kind of a progression, and all of a sudden I get down to this issue of a building. And I'm like, I'm like, what, what is up with that? Well, watch this. First, let's just read the verses, get the context, and we'll go through it. Verse 19, so then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens and the saints and with the saints and the members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together. So you see all these words, together, and relationships, and family, and into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And all of a sudden Paul gives a picture of a building, and if I'm honest, when I... When I like read that for the first time, a building doesn't sound too spiritual, does it? I mean, just if we're honest, I mean, I, I mean, you would think, well, wait a minute, Charlie, you can't get more intimate than a family, can you? Yes, you can. It's a picture of a building. A member of a family can reject a family can move out, can separate. You know what Jesus said about some in the early church? He said they went out from among us because they were really never us. They were just foreigners or aliens. They were, their citizenship, they, they were never really us. They were never really a part of it. Sadly, when you ask a lot of people and what is a church? People begin talking about brick and mortar and locations and addresses and sizes of building. And we're learning, right? When we can't meet in our building, we still gather. We're scattered. Listen, we're scattered all over southern Colorado. But we're still worshiping. We're still opening up the scriptures. We're still reading them. We're still building one another up. We're still encouraging one another. And Paul uses this figure of a building as a symbol. And the question is why? 
because brick and the stone and concrete and steel and the doors or the glass or the roof or the chairs or whatever. They can't leave. And they all fit together perfectly. Family can be separated. A family can reject one another. A family can be scattered. But a building is like together. And one part of the building, see, this is what he's doing, trying to help us understand one part of the building depends on the other part of the building. I mean, I'm, I'm standing in our, in our worship center right now. And many of you know, at one time, this was a, the Southside 4 Theater. And uh, we, we bought it in 99, moved in in, in 2000. And, and so we're standing in a, a theater that was once two theaters, and we've, we've knocked down a wall. And so we've knocked down a load-bearing wall that was like, actually, it came exactly where I am. And so the cross behind me holds one support beam. Uh, there's, a, there's a support beam about in the center. And there's another one in the back. And so, so I mean, this building... This room is dependent upon the support beams. If the support beams don't do their job, then, the, then, then it craters. And so a building, what he's saying is, is dependent upon one another. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. He goes on and says, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. He's saying about the precepts and their teaching. He's talking about scripture. He's talking about doctrine. And he's saying the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, they were given the task through the Holy Spirit to write the New Testament, the foundations of the church. <coughs> Jesus is a cornerstone built on the foundation. Past tense, already been completed. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. This is the reason the church stands, because guess what? The church stands on the word of God. A church cannot be built on programs. I believe in, I believe in great programs. I believe in good music. I, be, I believe in good preaching. I believe in good organization. I believe in good leadership. I believe in all of those things, but that, listen, that cannot be the foundation. If it is, it's just another TED Talk. The foundation is, is Jesus Christ, and it goes even deeper, and he says Jesus Christ is the, is the cornerstone. The cornerstone is that cornerstone of the building that is laid first, that all superstructures stand on. It's the stone that makes sense. It's the one that puts everything together. It's the one that makes a glorious church. The church is made up of people like you and me. <coughs> they say we give our life to Christ and we're Christ's followers. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22 says, In him also being built up together into a dwelling place for God by the, by the Spirit. And I understand God is everywhere. But there is something about his manifested presence, being able to see God working when his people join together as a church and they just worship together and they open up the scriptures together. And remember when, remember when Moses told God, unless you go with us, I don't want to go. 
I need your, I need your presence. And Moses makes this, makes this powerful statement. If your presence don't go with it, doesn't go with us, I don't want to go. Because I need you. Your power, your guidance. Last week in last week in life life group, Pastor Dwayne writes the curriculum and he'd ask an interesting question. I I didn't look at the material, I didn't know it was going to be asked. And so all of a sudden our life group leader asked this question. And they asked this question like, what was the most powerful worship service you've ever been a part of? I thought, I can't wait to hear the answer. And so I stayed quiet. And I started listening to people in our group start sharing. (laughs) I was a little bit shocked at the answers. They didn't so much talk about location, style of music. It was a hymn, contemporary rock, whatever, Anglican, traditional. They didn't talk about who sang. They didn't even talk about the preacher who preached. But we noticed the theme developing. In fact, as our leader pointed it out, when everybody finished sharing, and I did share my most powerful worship service, and I may share it with you in the close, but here's what we noticed in everybody that shared. They shared about the time in a worship service with God's manifested presence where all of a sudden they felt him. They knew he was real. And it changed their life. It may have been salvation, It may have been something they're going through in life. It may have been to deepen them. But all of them, all of them shared that it was when they felt his presence the most. There's something that was changed. And we as believers, listen, we have simply been given this task to just be faithful to him to learn to love our neighbors and love your neighbor as yourself. And so here's what I'm asking you. I'm simply asking you, why don't we learn to be the church? I don't think we should ever waste a crisis in life. I don't think we should ever waste a situation in life. And I'm just telling you, There is no better time than for the church to rise up and be the church. Our community is watching. Our community is asking for that, and we cannot do it without you. So on Monday, we're going to start journeying through 6,500 households and just making phone calls to those that are vulnerable, those that are in need you join with us as we begin ministering to people 
our prayer is not so much, Lord, use me. Because he already wants to use us. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, instead of saying, Lord, use me, Lord, show me. Because the fields are ripe with harvest. Show me my neighbor. Show me their needs. Show me how I fit into a church. Show me how I can be a part. And I just want to come alongside and be a part. If you need us, you can email us. You can call us. But we are going to do this together. And we're going to rise up. And we're going to be the church. I want to tell you thank you for taking time out of your weekend and worshiping with us. And I look forward to see what God is going to do as we continue to give, as we continue to serve, as we continue to minister, and as we continue during these times to be creative in the way that we minister to a community. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you for the power of your name. And Lord, we just ask that you would encourage us today that, Lord, as we continue to follow you, that, Lord, you would make it very evident, you would make it very clear what we're supposed to do. May we minister not only to the people in our church that are vulnerable and in need, but may we minister to a community. Through our tithes and our offerings and our giving, through our service, through our groups. Father, during this time, may we start more life groups. May we start more groups of people and pockets of people all over Pueblo, Colorado and Pueblo West and surrounding areas that are coming together in community, that are opening up the scriptures together and praying together. May this be the greatest time of the church. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.